Dick Staub was out shopping with his little three-year-old daughter. They went to a record store, and as they were getting ready to go, he noticed that she had a little CD that she had picked up of Sesame Street. It was unopened, still had the price tag on it and everything. Of course, she hadn't paid for it, and they were headed out the door. And he stopped, and he said, Honey, what have you got there? And she said, Sesame Street. He said, Well, we can't buy that. Daddy doesn't have enough money. The little girl put her hand on the hip and said, Well, charge it, silly. And you know, that's a consumer age that we live in where people value stuff and are willing to put themselves in debt just to get what they want when they want it. Uh, we all have values in our life, but we need to be careful about those values. Sometimes it's hard to control our habits if we don't have certain habits, even uh, if we don't have certain values, that is. Even adults have a hard time if they don't value things for example, valuing the dollar and valuing staying out of debt. But there are more important values that we all should have in our lives. Now, we need to think about what we value. We all have values, but we need to think really closely about the things that we value. And I'm raising two questions today, and the first is... Um, what do we value that keeps us focused as a church? You know, when you think about values for just a minute, uh, you, should, you should think. In your marriage, for example, you, you should value time spent with your spouse. You should, you should value fidelity. You think about your job, you should value integrity and hard work. You know, in your friendships, you should value loyalty and honesty. And there are many things that we should value in this life. So what do we value that keeps us focused as a church? Those are important values that we should have. Disney Company, one of the big companies of the world, they have four values at their theme parks. And the first value is safety. They value safety. That's a good value when you have as many kids as they have coming through their place. Courtesy is another thing that they value. They value making memories. And so they provide opportunities for you to get pictures and, and with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and for you to see the characters that they have. They, they value making memories. They value efficiency of their employees. They've got to make a profit. And you can't make a profit if you're not efficient. If you don't make a profit, you won't stay open. So they value efficiency. There are many values that you could have in this world. But our church, with our leadership team, as we met with our church coach this year, we came up with some ideas of things that we value. And you've seen these on this uh, board right here of the five values that we said are important to guide us and help us stay focused as a church. I think we have pictures. Uh, one is Christ is central. Uh, the second value that we have is that Scripture is truth. The third value, spiritual growth is essential. The fourth value, community is vital. And the fifth one, the next generation is a priority. Now that doesn't mean 
the next generation is the only priority, but we have to make that a priority. We're going to do a message and go through each of those, and today we're going to focus on the idea that Christ is central, and we're going to come to understand from the Scripture why that is true. You know, when it comes to Christ, uh, we need to think about that. Why is Christ central to our faith? Why is He central to our faith? Now, when I say Christ is central, I don't mean Christ is central Christian church. I mean He is the central focus of our church. And, you know, some people would say about Christ, well, He was just a man. He was a good man. He was a... He was a, a prophet. Uh, he did many good things. He was a good teacher. But he's not central to my life, some would say. But Christ must be central to our life and our focus as a church. So why is Christ central to our faith? I'll tell you one thing. And C.S. Lewis said it well. If he's not central, then he is a liar and a lunatic. But if he is central, it's because he is the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, then we should make him the center of our life and fall at his feet in worship. Because Jesus claimed that he was the Son of God. So let's look today in the Scripture in John chapter 14. This is one of the most profound uh, chapters, scriptures in the Bible. Uh, it's a statement made by Jesus. Of course, God inspired what he said, and he inspired the Apostle John to record the words. This is one of seven I am statements that Jesus made. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I am is the name for God. Back in the book of Exodus, when Moses asked God, uh, who should I say sent me when he sent him to Egypt? Uh, God said, I am, saying that was his name. And so when Jesus says, I am, he's claiming the name of God. You know, the Jews would not even speak that name. They wouldn't even say that name because of uh, the holiness and the reverence that they held for that name. So when Jesus said that, it would have really stood out to them. And seven times Jesus said it. Once, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. And here today we're going to see what he says in this passage. Now, he can only say that if it's true. And it is true. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So let's read together here in John 14, uh, beginning at verse 6, and we'll read the Word of the Lord. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now let's break down this passage First of all, knowing Jesus Christ is the key to finding God. You know, as we, as we noted last week, many people are seeking God, trying to know God. It was no different in the first century. There were many people who really wanted 
to know God. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the time had fully come, God sent His Son. And Jesus is the Son of God. Now, He's called the Son, and God is called the Father because God Himself was the progenerator of Jesus. He actually put Himself inside of the womb of Mary and was born as a human here on earth. He's God in the flesh. First chapter of John really explains that, the Word, and it says the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. Colossians 1.15, he, invi- he is the image of the invisible God. Now, in this passage in John, Jesus had just informed the disciples that he was leaving. He was going away. You know, they were following him. They'd given their whole lives for him. And now Jesus said, Guys, I'm heading out. I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that brings up a question. He says he's going to come back. And he says, You know the way to where I'm going. Well, Thomas, one of the disciples, I find Thomas in the Scripture to be very honest. There was another time when the other disciples had seen the resurrected Jesus, and Thomas said, I won't believe until I see him myself. I've got to touch him and know that he's really resurrected. But here, he's very honest, and he says, we don't know the way. Tell us the way. And Jesus gives this answer, I am the way and the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. It makes for a great saying. You know, we we say, oh yeah, Jesus, He's the way, and the truth, and the life. But what does it mean? And do we believe it? You know, those values being the way, and the truth, and the life were important to the Jewish people in Jesus' culture in that day. The three main concepts of Jewish thought. So let's think through those for just a minute. The way. You see, Christ takes us to God. Much has been said in the Bible about being the way. You go all the way back to Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33. Uh, Moses said to the people, when you go into the promised land, don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. Walk in the way the Lord has commanded you. In Deuteronomy 31, 29, Moses said, after my death, you are sure to become utterly corrupt and to turn from the way I have commanded you. Isaiah 30, 21. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So the Jews knew a lot about this idea of the way. Isaiah 35, 8. It was... was, uh, Uh, there's coming a time when God said He would redeem the people from their slavery in Babylon. And He says, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. And it goes on to say, it will be for those who walk in that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. The psalmist in 27.11 prayed, Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in the straight path. The Jews 
really wanted to walk in the way of the Lord. And Jesus says here, I am the way. You know, that word is used throughout the New Testament and especially in the book of Acts. In Acts 9-2, uh, Paul wanted to persecute the church, the, the early church, before he was converted. And he asked the synagogue rulers for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there that belonged to the way, it says. That's what they called the early church. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. In Acts 16, 17, uh, there was a, a, a slave girl who predicted the future. And she followed Paul and the rest of the, uh, his entourage, and she was shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you the way to be saved. Acts 18.25, Apollos was a preacher in the early church. Uh, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, it says. And he explained the way of God. So this word way is not uncommon in our New Testament. In fact, in Acts 19.9 19, 19, and 19.23, it mentions the way in reference to the early church. Acts 24.14, Paul said... I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. Acts 24, 22. The governor of Judea was named Felix. And it says that he was well acquainted with the way. Now, he was not a believer, but he understood and knew much about the way. So Jesus says, I am the way. I want you to think about this for just a minute. Let me see if I can illustrate this more clearly. Suppose you were new to Bristol. You came to church, and I invited you to my house for lunch. And you said, well, how did I get there? And I said, well, you go out of the parking lot here, and you turn right, and you go down Marion Street till you hit Weaver Pike, and then you turn left, and you go down Weaver Pike, and you're going to drive for a couple of miles, and then you'll see a convenience store with a subway, and there's a video store there, It'll be on the right. Well, you go a little further on the left and you turn, or, or, or on the right, and you turn right to Vance Tank Road and you go out Vance Tank Road for a couple of miles and you pass Kay Tomlin's house and she's got a horse on her mailbox. And when you get there, you go a little further and you turn left and you go up over the railroad tracks and then there's two uh, sections to Springfield Acres where I live. One is the new one and I live in the old section, and it's right in front of Vance Tank, and you'd say, wait a minute, you lost me at go out of the parking lot. But then suppose I said, well, I'll tell you what, just wait a few minutes after church is over, and I'll get in my truck, and you follow me. And that's what Jesus is saying. I am the way. You follow me. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the way, and we are to follow him. So Jesus is the way. Then he says, I'm the truth. The truth. You see, Christ is the embodiment of righteousness. Now, righteous, you probably don't ever hear that word anywhere except in church. And you don't even hear it much in church today. But righteousness means living right. It's that simple. 
It means living right in the eyes of God. That's what righteousness is. In other words, it's living according to the truth. And Jesus said the Word of God was truth, and that He was truth, and so together with the Bible and with Jesus, we come to understand the whole truth. And you know, the truth of God is really good news. It really is. It's the gospel message. That's what, that's what gospel means, is good news. Of course, we can't have good news unless we have bad news. And part of the message is bad news. But the good news is this. God loves you tremendously. He couldn't love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can do to make Him love you any less. But there is a problem, and that is that we sin, that we are unrighteous, that we sometimes fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we on purpose do things that we know that doesn't please God. So our sin gets in the way because God is a holy God. He can't have fellowship with the unrighteous. But God made a provision for that. He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross to be a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. And if we believe in Jesus and place our faith in Him, the Bible says we will be forgiven of our sins. When we are baptized, we come up out of that water and we are raised, the Bible says, to a new life. But it's our choice. We have to make a decision to believe in Jesus. And when we do, we walk in a newness of life, forgiven of our sins, restored in our relationship with God. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So Christ is truth. And then he is life. You know, Christ enables the best life here on earth and for eternity. Too many people have misunderstood the grace of God. They think grace means forgiveness, and so I get to go to heaven when I die. But grace means so much more than that. It means also the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. It's a gift that God gives you. That's from the grace of God, because He cares about you. He gives you the Holy Spirit to help guide your life so that you can have that righteous life even here on this earth. And you can walk in the ways of God to, uh, uh, as, as, as best you can, and God will guide you and direct you along the way. It's power in your life so that you can have the best life here, and then when you die, you'll go to be in the presence of God. Listen to what Jesus said just a couple of chapters back in John chapter 10. Verse 7 there. Therefore Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say to have life and have it abundantly. You see, in Christ is where we find the abundant life, the best life. Now, abundant doesn't mean that it's going to be trouble-free. 
It doesn't mean you're going to be rich. It simply means you're going to have more than enough. That's what abundant means. But Christ will give you that life if you follow Him. And following Jesus leads to the best life here on earth and eternal life with God when we die. So, Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. But look at the next part. You see, no one can truly experience God except through Christ. And look at what he says at the last part of verse 6. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if that's the way he chooses to invite people to himself, it's his prerogative. And he does want everyone to come to him to find saving grace. You know, there are over 4,000 religions in this world. And you know what all those religions teach? They all say, we can point you to God. We can tell you how to get to God. We can, we can tell you what rituals to do to please God. We can tell you what kind of works you got to do to please God. But you know what Jesus says? You come to God through me. You follow me. And we come to know that what he did on the cross is sufficient to bring us to God. It paid the penalty for our sins. So no one comes to the Father except through Him. We can try to do all the works we want to do to get to heaven, but it's not sufficient without faith in Christ. Isaiah 46, 64, 6 says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Romans 3.10 says, There's no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what the Jews learned from their law and their ritual and all their ceremonies? They learned that they couldn't do it. They couldn't keep it all. They couldn't do it all. That they fell short of what God had set as requirements for them. And they couldn't make it. And they learned that they need a Savior. All the world religions will end in that same revelation that we can't do all these requirements that are set before us to be saved. But Jesus willingly died on the cross so that through Him, all can come to God. In fact, in the book of Colossians, Paul reminds us, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I've never been evil. But anything we do that's outside the will of God is evil. And we've all done things that don't please God. So we've all been evil. We've all had evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish, and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven of your sins. I heard about this guy that was uh, thinking to himself, well, I'll go to heaven. He thought, you know, I've been pretty good. I, I, I think I'm going to make it into heaven. I've done a lot more good than I've done bad, and, and I think I'll, I'll get in. So he felt good about himself. And then he heard the voice of God. 
And God said to him, John, you really think you'll make it in? Oh, is that you, Lord? Well, well, yes, I think I made it in. I've done a lot of good in my life. And God said, well, maybe you will get in. And John said, what does it take to get in? And God said, well, you've got to score 100 points. And John said, 100 points? Okay, let's see how I've done. So he said, well, what have you done good? And John said, well, I went on field trips with my kids at school, and every time I went on a field trip, I bought all the kids in the class ice cream. I wanted to show them there were good men in the world. God said, that's good. I'll give you a quarter of a point for that. And John said, okay, well, I gave $500 to my wife's church so they could buy some new equipment for their kitchen. Okay, that's pretty good. I'll give you a tenth of a point for that. You've got a lot more money. You could have given a lot more than $500, John. And John said, okay, that's .25 and .10. That's .35. He said, well, I haven't cheated on my wife, and we've been married for 30 years. God said, that's pretty good. I'll give you a half a point for that. So John said, wait a minute, Lord. That's only .85 points that I've gotten with three of the biggest things that I've done in my life. At this rate, I'll never get into heaven. God said, now you finally got it. You can't work your way there. It's not a point system. You have to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can truly experience God is through Jesus Christ. That's why we need Him. He's the only one that ever lived a sinless life. He's the only one that's worthy to make the sacrifice for our sin. Then lastly, I want you to see that if we really come to know Christ, we will know God. Verse 7, Jesus says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you know Him, and have seen Him. You see, knowing is more than just facts and details about the life of Jesus or the, the story of God in the Bible. It's about a relationship. It's about a, it, it, it's about a personal knowing of God. It involves spending time with the Lord, with spending time with Jesus through prayer and through the Word of God and through meditation and through worship. Philip said to Jesus here in the next verse, verse 8, he said, show us the Father. And listen to Jesus' reply, verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And you see what Jesus is saying, He is God. If you know Him, you'll know God. And when we spend time with Jesus, we're spending time with the Father. You know, this is the same God that passes judgment on those who don't believe, but the same God that will forgive and restore those who do believe. He's the same God who stepped into a human body and came down to earth to teach and show us the way, but to give himself as a sacrifice. 
You know, if you pay attention to Jesus, a couple of things are going to happen. One is, you'll become convicted of your shortcomings, your sin. But in the same instance, you will find joy in knowing that you are forgiven for those times when you fall short. This is the Christ. The Christ who made the universe. The Christ who made you. Yet He is the one that wants to be on a first-name basis with you. His name is Jesus. And He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and our Lord and Savior. And here's our connection. Christ is central to having the right relationship with God. And it's only through Christ Jesus that we can find the fullness of all that God has in store for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, we can all approach God's throne through faith in Jesus. You know, somebody wrote a poem. Well, actually it was written by a man named Dr. James Allen Francis years ago. He was born in an obscure village, a child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He, turned, he was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on this earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is still the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched and all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever set, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that of this man, Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And this is Jesus that offers Himself to us to be saved. And this is why this is our very first core value, that Christ is central to what we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for Jesus, for You, for sending Jesus, for stepping into a human body and coming to earth to be our Lord and Savior and show us the way and show us the 
truth and show us what real life is. And for that, we are grateful and we praise you today. So help us to be a people who follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.